This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. It's tough being a leader, and sometimes it's difficult from the employee's perspective to remember that your managers and CEOs are people too, and you need to reach out to them as much as they need to reach out to you. Joining me on the show to discuss this CEO conundrum is Roshan Tiran, founder and CEO of Leaderonomics. For a little bit of context, just remind the listeners who you are, what you do. Sure. Um, I, I founded an organization called Leadonomics. Um, today, I don't really run it, but uh, we have a training development organization called Leadonomics. We also have a digital, couple of digital uh, organizations. Nicole uh, is one, uh, Budaya or Happily is an app that we have. And then, of course, um, we also have another organization that runs what we call the MAD movement. Uh, used to be Leadonomics Community. Today, they go around uh, and they build platforms for volunteers and enable NGOs and volunteers to connect. So, uh, and also organizations to enhance and optimize their, their spend in, in CSR and ESG. Uh, so that's a bit on the broader, bigger Leaderonomics entity today. Yeah. Fantastic. And of course, you know, we speak to the gang from Leaderonomics and these sort of subsidiaries uh, once a month. And today we got you. So that's brilliant. Now, of course, that means yep. you've also had a wealth of experience as a leader and a CEO in your own right. I would love for you to share uh, with our listeners, what are the pain points that CEOs experience that maybe employees are not aware of? One of the biggest issues that CEOs go through, but many people don't understand, is that many of them feel they have no control over their time, the marketplace or the, the market that they serve. And many times, many leaders actually feel that the business is controlling them, not them controlling the business. Mm. And flip that, right? Think about people, right? Most people think the CEO knows everything. They expect and believe that their CEO should be in total control. The, every single thing that's happening in every part of the business needs to be understood or needs to be known by the CEO. And it upsets people sometimes to know that actually most leaders are just human. Uh, they can make mistakes. They, they have emotions. They are occasionally wrong. In fact, uh, many times, the fact that they look at their employees and the employees think they know a lot, what happens to the leader? The leader then becomes uh, very scared of making mistakes and yeah. this cripples them to be indecisive and so on and so forth, right? So that's one very big pain point. People actually don't understand that all these emotional baggage onto a CEO actually has outcomes the employees sometimes don't understand. Yeah, okay, let me give you an example. Think about managing stakeholders. Mm. So a CEO must deal with boards who most of the time, sometimes I think in most cases in our country, are somewhat clueless to what's happening on the ground. Uh, they have to deal with customers who expect all issues, you know, call the CEO when there's an issue, uh, needs to be resolved. They have to, they have to manage suppliers, government, officials, investors, the media, so many different stakeholders. Now add to that employees who expect bosses to be there for them at every point in time. And the CEO now has to prioritize customer who brings in the revenue, who pays for the revenue or the employees, or employees who actually do the work to get the revenue. This itself become really daunting. How do you prioritize? I mean, I need to be there for, you know, when there's government and compliance issues. I need to be there when there's board issues with the board members. I need to be there with the investors and, and so on and so forth, right? Um, that becomes a huge challenge for many, many leaders. Then there's accountability, right? I mean, think about employees. As an employee, it's very simple. I need to fulfill my KPI, my deliverable. Now, when I fail, who is to be blamed, right? Most of the time, the CEO is accountable. I mean, most of the employees can hide behind their bosses. You know, the boss didn't tell me properly, didn't, didn't communicate, and so on and so forth. But when a CEO has a gap in achievement, when the company doesn't actually achieve their results, 
uh, just like a football coach, right? When the when the football team doesn't achieve a result, the manager takes the responsibility and the box kind of stops there. When you look at a CEO, the media kind of judges a CEO as, oh, a CEO must be strategic, articulate, <laughs> tactical, uh, able to execute, must get things done. And, and everyone in the company usually has a judgment of the leader of the organization, right? Mm. And they expect the CEO to get things done, right? And they they, they have somewhat of a love-hate relationship. But the funny thing is the CEO is expected to do things that nobody wants to do, right? Mm. Um, you know, think about Apple with what Steve Jobs did. How many employees love Steve Jobs while they were working with him? I would, I would love to summarize, you know, the pain points that you've mentioned. First of all, I think primarily there is this sense of expectation and pressure that leaders face a lot of the time uh, that might go unnoticed or might not be understood by people who have not been in that position before. There are a lot of plates you have to spin, essentially, a lot of pokers and a lot of fires, and that can be difficult for employees to also have an understanding of because they're not directly involved, right? So much like you said, the fact that employees are beholden essentially to only one party and leaders are beholden to many, many, many parties. And that is something that is really interesting to point out. Also, you know, it's that feeling as well, I think, of needing to live up to some image of what the perfect leader or CEO needs to be as well, which is an extreme amount of pressure. And like you said, not just from your employees, but from your clients, from your customers, from uh, you know all these different parties who are holding you to standards that also might all be different, right? You know, maybe uh, uh, media want CEOs to be well-spoken and they want them to be showy and they want them to to come up and be clear with uh, their values and stuff like that. Meanwhile, employees might want someone who's more down to the ground and more humble. So you've got all these factors pushing and pulling on you all the time. Moving from that, though, that was one thing that you mentioned that really resonated with me, which is that a part of the reason why this plagues leaders so much is because they don't necessarily make it clear that they're going through all of this. So tell me a bit about that and how leaders and CEOs can put the message out there that, you know, let's remind people we're human too. So one of the things I think that really resonates with me and, and um, it's it's by this guy, uh, a CEO uh, called Philip Green from United Utilities in Britain. And he says, look, one of my core reasons for my success is that he said, here's how I prioritize my life, my faith, my family, my fitness, my fun, and my firm. And he put firm at number five. So I think the starting point is to really know yourself and say, who am I and what do I prioritize? And know that, you know, because the role of being a CEO gets so overwhelming, you lose sight of everything and you just consumed. And many CEOs will come and say, I, and I've had this in Malaysia, right? Many CEOs say, I, I haven't seen my kids growing up. You know, I just lost them, mm. you know, because we went through COVID, we went through this, we went through that. And it's always crisis after crisis. I think the second part, which I really take hold is from an author called Stephen Tappin, who wrote this book, The New Secrets of CEOs, uh, where he interviewed about 200 plus CEOs. And, and one of the things he said, he found CEOs that were, were successful and had sustenance and longevity right, uh, in their roles, uh, one of the things they did was they built an executive team uh, or what, what, what we call um, a sort of support infrastructure. Uh, but it's not just an executive team because we, we have executive teams, but we tend, many CEOs tend not to delegate to the executive team because mm-hmm. we, they don't understand and I mean, we need to take action on them and so on. But, but what he proposes is that they need to start thinking about a leadership team that's really part of your core. Yeah. Uh, so I have, you know, when, when we first started Eramix, we had four or five of us and, you know, Huimei and I ended up staying on, uh, but we still, you know, have each other and we bring in one or two others, you know, to, to kind of, you know, wrestle with really uh, tough, uh, uh, challenging issues. But if you can build sort of a core executive team, 
And the key is to delegate to this team, right? Mm. And what I've started to do, and that's kind of how we merged, morphed into money businesses because I'm like, look, you run the business, I, I don't care, right? <laughs> you need money, come and see me and we'll talk, right? But as I started to delegate real responsibility, right? Take over, right? I mean, make the tough decisions, not me. But if you really can't, then, you know, you always have me as a sounding board. Mm. You start to realize that a lot of burden is lifted from you, right? And and so building that strong executive team, I think I think it's it's absolutely critical, right? But I also think that you know what, what you said about sharing that you, you need to unload some of your burden to mm. employees, but you do it by looking for little opportunities to spend time with them, right? Uh, they they look up to us, they look up to leaders. You spend time with them, but the key is to share your heart, right? In an authentic way, right? Um, and your experiences, right? You know, so, so sometimes I always talk about, you know, I, you know, how everything went bad for for me at certain organization, and and uh, you know the lessons I've learned, and you know I add in like, and and you know it's it's similar here, you know, you know the, this issue that we're grappling with, I I'm likewise in a similar predicament. You don't have to spell out what uh, uh, who you're discussing or how how deep the the issues, but they can make that correlation and say, hey. Uh, he talked about that and okay, I, I kind of get a sense of, of and, and and this requires sometimes having courageous conversations, right? I, I find many leaders, we tell employees what to do, right? Okay, here's the issue. But instead, try to give them the why, mm-hmm. right? Here's why we need to do this or here's why why organization is going to take this, this step. And when we try to help them, when you narrate the why, what happens is, you don't have to, they, they won't come back constantly and saying, so I finished that one. Now what's step two? What's step three, right? Because I kind of see this where we are going. Uh, I've done it here. So I think I should take the leap and go here. And when I'm stuck, I come to you, right? Mm. Um, and, and this is where teaching them, not telling them uh, becomes critical, right? As CEOs, the other part I, I found personally uh, uplifting for me was to get involved in the hiring process. I, you know, I, I realized after a while, HR people will say, oh, here's five candidates, but they all look like the HR person or the recruiter who kind of put them to there. When I started going, I said, no, I want somebody different. Somebody very different from the people we have in our organization. Mm. Um, and, and what happens is you build a bond with the candidate at the, at the get-go and you later can connect back because many CEOs don't have a bond at the start with employees. They, and then they are so consumed by their work, right? They just don't have an opportunity to, to connect. So, you know, I came into the office today and I saw somebody and I know I needed to talk to her because I saw uh, we have an app that tells us where employees are, right? They have a relationship issue with the manager. They have an issue with uh, uh, their peers or they they upset with the organization. So, you know, it kind of, so this person happened to be on my trigger and I'm like, oh, cool. I and But because I was involved in the hiring process, I already have that connection right. with that person and I can, hey, how's things and so on and so forth, right? Um, so there the number of things you can do. I, I think there's a whole other things, but mm. to me, those will be the most powerful. So I think, you know, again, that, that goes back to you need to have trust and you need to have created an executive team that you can trust with delegating things that are real responsibilities. That's number one. Number two, you need to be vulnerable, in, in not in the sense of, you know, kind of blabbing secrets or anything like that, right? But you do need to be honest and uh, aware and sensitive about sharing problems and making it clear that, you know, you are going through stuff that is similar. And thirdly, you need to establish a point of contact with your employees, uh, hopefully during the hiring process. But if you don't have that pre-established point of contact, it's so hard to reconnect. It's time for us to take a short break for some messages. But after that, I will continue my conversation with Roshan Tiran, founder and CEO of Leaderonomics, about the CEO conundrum here on Raise Your Game on BFM 89.9. 
Better Finance Management. BFM 89.9. You're listening to Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. On the line with me is Roshan Tiran, founder and CEO of Leadernomics. And today we're talking about the CEO conundrum, i.e. how do employees understand what CEOs are going through and how can CEOs make that clear to their employees as well? How do you go from just being a CEO to being viewed as a human being? And before the break, we talked a lot about the pain points CEOs encounter as well as things that CEOs can do in order to lift a bit of that burden. But we also need to take a look at the fact that it takes two to tango, right? So I think one of the issues with employees is it's very intimidating, I think, for employees to reach out to their leaders, right? And I think you mentioned this before the break. There is that sort of distance. There is that, I mean, power distance is a massive problem here in Malaysia as well, where maybe leaders are, are also very, very detached from their employees. But as a result of that, how on earth can employees take that step and really reach out and make that move towards connecting more with their leaders? I think, uh, you, you know, you're right. Uh, there's a big power distance problem in Malaysia. We're number one in the world, right? Um, mm. But, you know, I always say CEOs sometimes are a bit like our parents, right? We never really appreciate them until the, until you become one, right? Uh, and then you sort of, like <laughs> you realize how difficult the role is and how little time you have for everything and you're all over, right? Uh, but I think there are three or four things I think that we can do. I think the starting point is we need to, consistently try to understand the why of our leaders. Um, whether you realize or not, you know, our, our bosses have uh, certain objectives and, and certain values. Uh, and there's a reason why they're doing the job, uh, you know, and, and we always think, oh, he's only concerned or she's only concerned about bottom line. Maybe true, but maybe the bigger question, the, the next question, the follow-through question would be, why is, why is he or she concerned about the bottom line? Do you really think that he, he or she wants to make your life a living hell? Uh, not really, right? Um, and I think it's our job to find out what's bringing our bosses to work in the morning. Why does he care about the bottom line? Or why does she care about uh, specific things in life or this specific initiative and so on, right? And I think if we can start trying to understand, even if from a distance, right, mm. uh, from our direct bosses or from our peers or others, right, why, 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 right? If we ask these questions, right, we start to, we start to feel a bit of their pain. We start to empathize. We start to be able to do step number two, right? And I think the step number two is the second part is, right, honoring and recognizing your boss. Because bosses are supposed to honor and recognize their employees, right? And so they say, oh, they, they have rewards and this and that. Um, but I think that the, when we start understanding some of the pain points of the CEO, asking the why, we start to realize one of the biggest struggles of a CEO is what I call managing dishonest employees. Uh, they're always hustling the CEO, making it difficult for him or her uh, to be flexible with the good employees because they mentally check out, they don't do their work, they shop late, don't care about the customer. And, and the CEO wants to take action. But like you said, there's a conflict. Oh, but they have a family to feed and they know that when they take action, the organization, even though they know it's the right option, will say, hey, why did why did they let go of this guy? He's a really good guy and so on and so forth, right? Uh, and they have to make very much, of course, not just with them, but across the board. And they need some sort of encouragement. So I think sometimes when you see a tough call being made, a little note, a little email and say, you know, and, and it may be replied, it may not, but it doesn't matter, right? Uh, but I think these little moments of encouragement when CEOs do tough work, uh, when they drive accountability and execution, which may not be appreciated at this point in time, mm -hmm. but they need some sort of motivation and some sort of, you know, thank you for the work you're doing. Uh, and, and I know, I mean, occasionally I, I get this, I, in fact, keep that at my desk. I get a few from my employees like, you know, shocking, like, oh, you, you realize how painful it is and, and, uh, uh, and, and I think the next part is to actually sometimes privately call them out 
when they have derailed. And this happens, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so who's checking the CEO? Uh, so to that, what I would love to ask is, I think a lot of employees would love to have that kind of relationship with their boss or their CEO or their leader. I think, you know, fact of the matter is respect has to go both ways. And I think that's really important to establish in any kind of relationship. But what would you say to the idea of, you know, as an employee being intimidated by reaching out, like maybe you're worried that your attempt at motivation might come across as uh, sucking up perhaps, or maybe you're worried that if you call your boss out for something that they'll get angry at you. I mean, they have a lot of power over you, right, as an employer. So how do you get past that barrier? Yeah, I, I think it's again goes back to how we preface the whole thing, right? Mm. So let's say you feel you you know you hear from your sales guys that you can't sell a product or service, and you realize maybe our business model is flawed, right? How do you communicate that? And I think you know maybe sometimes doesn't need to be face to face; can be email. Like I I have concerns, you know, that maybe our business model is flawed, and it's not about the CEO, right? It's about a business agenda, right? Mm. Um, so I think sometimes we don't call it out as a personality issue that like you don't see, you know, you're a CEO, you're lousy, you don't understand the strategy is changing and we need to be like, a bit like this and look at what Uber has done and da, da, da. But I think it's about, look, I think our business may need some sort of reinvention. And, and it goes back to, we care about the business. I think the CEO cares about the business too. Mm. Um, and unless the CEO is a really bad CEO, right? I mean, there they are. And we see that in our country, right? With government, you know, some of them are in there for themselves, right? Mm. Uh, and those are the corrupt guys who, and you can't help. I mean, to me, if you have an organization like that, find another organization to work, right? So, but if you have a, a you know, genuinely good leader may have just been derailed, I don't think they would be objecting if it's well-worded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it can be an email, right? So so all of us know the email of your CEO. I, I'm sure you can <laughs> find his email somewhere. And I can, right? I can find emails of other organizers. So you can find someone internally uh, and you can send it. And whether it's respond or not, you did your part, right? Mm. Um, and, and putting little notes can be anonymous, right? And they say, look, uh, we really, and they say, look, from, from all of us in our team, I do that many times, right? Uh, I actually say, I, even though it's from me, I'll put that it, it's from our team at this site. In, in the mm. past, I used to do that. Right? I'd say from our aviation team in Malaysia, right? Even though it's from me, right? Uh, but it's okay, you know, let the whole team get the credit uh, for that, right? And I think just taking that little time to let your CEO know you they care makes a difference. And that goes actually back to what you were saying before about understanding the why. I think that's a really fantastic gesture to show both parties that you're aligned with understanding the why of the business and by reaching out like that. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I think it takes two to tango, right? So I think when an organization collapses, yes, you know, you had a flawed CEO, but you also had probably a flawed board of fraud employees who didn't inform a derailed CEO or derailed strategy head that, hey, we need to make those changes. Because... Mm -hmm. The, the collective wisdom in an organization is huge. Yeah. Uh, why is it not harnessed to enable the organization to move forward? It should be, right? Yeah. Mm, and I think in a way, right, with employees who are worried about, you know, uh, providing this sort of feedback or establishing this kind of communication, in a way, if the leader takes it badly, they shouldn't then leave. You know, then, you know, okay, you, you at least you tried, at least you reached yeah. out and you made yeah. the effort. But, you know, uh, if the reaction is bad, then you know, all right, that's... That's what that, it is that, like. That and also maybe you can ask a follow-up question, right? Mm. And this is what I've learned now. Sure. Is, um, the follow-up question is, look, why did they take... Is there some information I'm not aware mm. of? Is there some issue that's permeating that? Is there some situation or, or, or future uh, piece? And then, you, you know, when you dig deeper, you realize actually maybe we are actually working on a separate product somewhere else or we, mm-hmm. we do have something in the pipeline. Leaders in GE, hopeless, you know, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> as I started, and, you know, I had the opportunity to travel with Jeff and Mel a couple of uh, times uh, whenever he came to Asia. And then I had breakfast with him. And, and then I realized, goodness, I don't think I ever want to be a CEO of GE. <laughs> Look at the issues and the challenges, you know, that it is to grapple with. And as you start to 
put yourself in their shoes, you realize it's not as simple because for us, it's black and white. For many employees, it's either A or B, but for them, it's gray every day mm. in every situation because they know they, they, it's not just one function. You know, if you're in this function, oh, this is compliance, you have to do it. But right. if you're in sales, you're this suddenly you realize, my goodness, it's, it's really gray all over, right? Um, and I think that part, we need to have a little bit of empathy to put ourselves in their shoes a little bit. Likewise, they need to put themselves in our shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, but we too, we too need to do that. And I, like I said, I mean, I think if both do that in a in a nice concerted effort, you will really start to see uh, organizations move forward together in unison and, and really deep understanding and trust can be built across the board both ways, right? Brilliant. All right, well, that brings us to the end of our conversation. But thanks, Roshan, for talking to us about the CEO conundrum today. Loved it. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks a lot, Christine. This has been Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. If you've missed any of today's chats, of course, you can go ahead and find the podcast on our app. And our app is found on the Apple App Store and the Google Play. And you can also head over to our website to bfm.my to listen to not only this podcast, but every other Leadernomics podcast and also many other podcasts as well. This is BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.